You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go to the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about party balance so this is the next up on our balance series where we're going to be going over a lot of the different well meanings and just options available for how to balance your party of adventurers in a fifth edition dungeons and dragons game so nathan what is party balance and why do we care so basically party balance is um what what are the correct roles that compose your party uh, that, that your party consists of. So uh, a couple of examples would be the tank, the healer, damage, and utility or support. So what party balance essentially is, is having these different roles be balanced so that your party is able to deal with situations, um, whatever that may, came, um, that may come their way. Yep. So yeah, in uh, any roleplay game, really, but as always, uh, 5th edition D&D focus here, any particular character that one person is playing is only able to be so good at so many things. So part of the fun of the game is to have this cooperative game where different people are good at different things and then working together to accomplish the individual and group goals. So you went through a good list of what those roles are just a minute ago. So let me go through those in a little bit more detail now. So Tank, we've already actually done our own episode of, so you can get a lot more information on that one from a couple of weeks ago. So the Tank is just the beefy, often armored character, the person who is usually meant to take a hit and stay standing and if and to protect their allies from taking hits so that they can stay standing. So they are the protector of the group. The healer is the one who will patch up people for when they do get hurt. And in D&D, there are a lot of healing type characters available, and we'll absolutely do an episode more detailed on healers some point in the future. 
Next up, damage. If you're in a fight in in a game, then even if you have the tankiest tank that ever tanked, if you're not able to hit and damage the things that you're fighting, you're not going to win. So for any party, regardless of how good or fantastic even the other roles do their roles, you need to have some amount of damage to be able to put down whatever it is that you're fighting. So finally, the last one is honestly debatable because it could be argued that there are many, many more roles, but we'll just kind of summarize it by calling by using the word utility. And what I mean by that, besides those other three roles of tank, healer and damage, there are a lot of other things that characters are able to do and with or without magic. There are a lot of just class features that are beneficial. So there are buffs that you can add to your allies, debuffs that you can put on your enemies. There are crowd control spells that you could, you know, put your enemies to sleep or just make them walk in a certain direction that makes them not bother you. There are features that can, you know, just there's so many things that can be done that, you know, arguments could be made, could be their own categories, but we'll just sum up and just say utility because there's a lot and we don't want to really overcomplicate things unnecessarily. So those what I would say would be the four roles. So how to balance those things is a question that does not have any single answer because... Well, the glorious thing about D&D is the fact that there's no one way to play the game. You can do whatever style of game you want to play, and you can have characters that are built in advance for that specific scenario, or as honestly as usually the case, the players don't know going in what the game is going to be, so they just make the character that they want to play, and then everything else just is roll the dice, come what may. And to be honest, that is my preference. Arguments can be made that you want to build a balanced party to the type of game that you're all going to play. But you shouldn't tell your players that ahead of time as a dungeon master, because in D&D, generally speaking, it is unknown what you're going to encounter. So unless you want to play something very, very stylized, I honestly believe that as important as party balance is as a topic to think about, I do believe that it is a topic that has been overly focused on amongst many, many people in the D&D community. I certainly believe that might be a thing, but that could just be uh, your more sandbox style of DMing speaking, because when it comes down to it, there are certain situations where it does make sense to actually disclose to the players what they may be encountering. For example, simply, um, for example, if you want to do a political like intrigue kind of campaign, it's unadvisable not to tell your players, for one. Um, but in general, I feel like my stance on telling the players what the campaign will be like, I'm, I'm a bit more open about it because I feel like um, 
allows for everyone to have a better idea of what they want to achieve and the current kinds of characters they want to bring into the campaign. But that, that's my opinion. Fair enough. And you're absolutely right. If you are playing some type of specialized campaign, like something with a strong political bend, or if you want to do, let's say, a heist campaign, then, you know, if you have just someone who is, you know, a party of brutes, that may not go so well. So, yeah, if you're planning to do like something with a specific theme that absolutely that definitely makes sense i do not mean to infer that there are not situations where you don't want to tell them i'm simply saying that that's just again my personal preference and bias so that being said how is also rather complicated because there are so many different things to do in D&D that the question of what is balance is honestly a bit complicated. So there back well oh, way back that was actually one of our early episodes we had we talked about experience in great detail. And one of the things that came up in that was that there are three pillars of Dungeons and Dragons, which is combat, exploration, and social interaction. And generally speaking, all D&D games will have some combination of those three things. And so, at least hopefully, a party of adventurers in a D&D game should be capable, at least somewhat, in all three of those things. So, there are those three things and how much you want your character individually to be specialized is honestly what I personally just prefer to think about. If you have three people that are playing in a game already and you are a fourth person joining in, very, very often the question that gets asked first is, well, what role do you need more of? And I I have certainly been guilty of this myself, even though I don't like that that is the first question, because I want all people to just play the thing that they like and figure out the rest as they go. But again, that I keep inserting my personal biases. I apologize. I will try to slow down a little bit on that. So what you actually, quote unquote, need is dependent on the game that you're playing. Also, one very important fact is how many people are in a party, because that dynamic does influence a whole lot of how D&D goes. So according to the Dungeon Master's Guide, three to five players is considered to be the ideal for a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons game, because a lot of the math that went into the game's design is so that the interaction of creatures that run into a D&D party, so all of the experience calculators and such things, are balanced with that number of people in mind. So if you have less people than three, or more than five, then that does affect the combat balance, which we also talked about in a previous episode, quite a lot in terms of just the action economy of the game. So if you do have less people, that makes things much more difficult. If you have more, then that makes it much easier, because just as we also talk about at length a lot, 
action economy is incredibly important in a 5th edition D&D game. Whatever side of a conflict has more attacks per turn, then that is a massive advantage in every single combat encounter that does occur. So, how you want to balance a party between those three things, let's say that you want to have... Let's just go through some examples of what you want for a combat balance, what you want for an exploration balance, and what you want for the social interaction balance, because those are not going to be the same things. When you are in combat, then you need to make sure that your party stays up while the others do not. So, how to do that? Generally speaking, there... Another phrase I like using, there are an infinite number of variations. Technically, you could have a party of, let's just say there's four for the sake of all these examples for consistency. So let's say you've got four tanks and all of them have, are, have got a great AC, a ton of hit points. And let's just say they're mid-level characters, so they maybe have a magic item each. And that combination of characters could do quite well in combat. It's entirely possible that they're able to just charge into battle and just let their armor and hit points see them through the day. But if the noble who hired them to get into that fight suddenly wants to renegotiate their deal, then if every single one of those, you know, fighters or barbarians made charisma their dump stat they're not likely to do so well in that other pillar of the game. So if you have a bunch of fighters, they could do quite well in combat. They could do quite well at exploration. It's entirely possible that you can have a bunch of melee combatants who do have good, you know, physical scores, and maybe they dumped charisma and intelligence, but, you know, have a decent wisdom score. So wisdom would still let them have a decent perception, and honestly, even insight potentially. They just wouldn't be able to argue their case well with a poor charisma. Most likely, it's always possible to roll well, but generally speaking. So you could have a group of melee. On the other hand, there is one aspect of combat which I did not mention before, which is range. If you do have all melee characters and nobody who's actually any good at range, then it's possible for a single goblin with a short bow to potentially kill the entire party if they just can't catch up to them in a timely manner. So if you have, you know, a short bow with a 320 foot max range, then even rolling at disadvantage every turn, that still would take quite a while for most characters to just get to them. And if they're in the woods and can hide, then even a single weak character could just be a particularly bad matchup. So the potential of this focused bad matchup is another great reason of why you generally do want to diversify the characters that you're playing. So if you have one character who's fantastic at defense, one character who's, you know, a you know barbarian with a great axe who does a lot of damage every turn in melee, and then you've got a rogue with also a short bow who then could do a lot of damage at ranged, having that versatility just makes the party 
for lack of a better phrase, more valuable. They're more able to do things in combat because of having diverse abilities. So having everyone be the same is generally not going to go well because, as as you all know, D&D has so many options in front of you, around you, hiding behind a rock, uh, secretly disguised as the rock. There's a lot of stuff out there. And if you have no one who's able to, you know, recognize, you know, huh, this rock is sticky. That's weird. And realize like, oh, that may not be a rock. Then you are going to fall into more traps, which makes the exploration side of things that much harder. And potentially the social interaction thing, as I already mentioned earlier, could also be harder. So I've been going on a lot of rants the last few minutes about what not to do. So now let's go more on just what you want to have. I hesitate to use the word ideal, so I will simply use the word preferred instead. Because if you would rather do something else, then do that. I like to give advice and rant about D&D. That doesn't mean that any of you listening have to do every single thing that I say. In fact, uh, the argument could be made that you should not, because you are not me, and I am a crazy person who does a lot of excessive things. Anyway. In combat, you generally would want to have, if you have four people, you might want to have one person for each of those four roles that we talked about earlier. To have one tank, one healer, one person focused on damage, and one utility character. So let's actually focus a little bit more on utility and why that could be such a valuable thing for me to give it its own category. So there are a lot of class effects as well as spells in the game that can do a huge amount of things to your allies and or your enemies. So if you have, let's say, a bard in the party, they have an ability called Bardic Inspiration that, depending on what subclass they have, can really do a whole lot of different things. So that can just give a flat-out boost to one of your allies' roles. It could subtract if you're a uh, Bard of Lore. Then you can even subtract what an enemy rolls to make it miss an ally, which is incredibly helpful in the right situation. Well, any situation where you'd get hit is a bad situation. Um, we, we've been talking about how the, these characters can be useful in uh, terms of more um, encounter-oriented um, examples and uh, general social examples. But one thing that we can bring up is uh, party dynamics. So, example, having a diverse party in the way that they work and their backgrounds and such um, or this stemming from their, you know, classes as a part of it, um, can result in some interesting interactions between characters. For example, you can have the two, um, like the, the two more attack, like, uh, physically focused characters having a rivalry. The same thing with two more, uh, charismatic characters as we currently have in Arc 2. Um, you you can all have all these kinds of role play instances that can happen because um, only two of them have this certain aspect, and then it becomes this little charming thing. 
Absolutely. You're right. I have been focusing overly on the mechanics angle. So there are so many roleplay opportunities that can be opened by having two characters that either are the same or are different. So sticking with the charisma example. So the current just cast of characters on our other podcast, Riftwake, we have myself as well as another character that are very heavy on the charisma side of things. And depending on the situation, there have been a lot of fun kind of banter moments, but also kind of getting in each other's way when we're trying to each pull our own kind of situation. And having two characters that are pretty heavily invested in the social pillar of D&D creates these really fun character moments for he and I to have. But on the other hand, the fact that 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 same character also is someone who's quite competent at magic. So there's another magic user in the party that also is developing a totally separate type of rivalry just about different things that they both have and both are good at. So by having these things that are the same yet different, you create an entire web of interactions within the party, out of the party, all throughout the game, then this has just ever-expanding effects by having that variability. Okay, so now let's talk about something more unconventional. So Remy, how do you, would you suggest taking it the other way, having it completely unbalanced and still have it be interesting and fun? Oh boy. All right. There are quite a number of ways to do it. So before I get into all of that, there is one other thing that I do need to mention, which is there are these different roles that we keep yammering on about, but that does not mean that any single character is locked into only one of those things. There are a lot of options available for someone to take on multiple roles. Like, take a cleric, for example. A cleric is absolutely able to do all four of those things on its own. A cleric can very easily get access to heavy armor to have a good AC to potentially tank. They do also have shield proficiency to make that even better. They have some of the best healing magic in the game because Cleric, as a damage dealer, they can do either melee, they have full access to spellcasting as well, they have all the Cleric buffs available for the sake of utility. A Cleric alone can do all of those things. So, going back to the question you actually asked me, though, if you want to play an unbalanced game, there's a few questions you could ask. Is your intention to just purposefully make characters that are mechanically similar and see how they divulge from each other through the roleplay and interactions that they go through? Or is it more along the lines of you want to just create a theme and see how people just branch out in their character creation from that? Or is it something along the lines of where you're just going to, you know, put just a arbitrary limitation and then just see how different they can mechanically and in roleplay play a different character. So there is honestly a kind of long running joke in the D&D community about the idea of playing an entire party of bards. And this is one that is honestly quite amusing to me because bards are another good example of one of those classes 
that is able to take on multiple roles. However, what is also of interest about the Bard is that they actually have a class feature that sums it up nicely, Jack of all trades. So the rest of that quote, though, master of none, is also applicable. One of the generally acknowledged downsides of the Bard is that they're never going to be the tankiest character, although they can do decently. They will not likely be the most damaging character, but they can do decently. They can be quite good as healers as well as utility, but they are not going to be the best at all of the things. However, bards have enough subclasses available to them that do branch out actually pretty significantly that if you did have four bards, then even if you had, you know, two that are College of Lore or and then you could have one who's the College of Whispers and one who's the College of Swords. And then you have very, very different characters almost immediately because even amongst the two in the College of Lore, you could have one person who's, you know, uh, a bard who's a historian who wants to collect the knowledge of, you know, times past and is, you know, the more kind of nerdy storyteller type. And then the other bard of lore could just be totally different and is just focused on collecting just some other type of knowledge. Like maybe they actually are of a more religious bent. So they have expertise in religion and they're actually, you know, the traveling prophet who is spreading the word of their God. So usually you think about clerics as the ones who would, you know, be like the preacher's who are trying to you know push their god but a bard would actually be better at that because they have charisma as their main stat they have you know expertise as the class feature to really boost up their skills so they could have expertise in religion and persuasion and then all of a sudden you have a character who could just be that like traveling priest who goes town to town you know healing the sick with the healing magic that bards do have and just spreading the good word. And then, and that just goes to show that even in the same class, you can have enormous variation still on what the characters actually are in every manageable facet, in terms of how they fight in combat, how they explore the world, and how they do interact with the world around them socially. So even in an unbalanced situation, that does not mean that that is a situation that you yourself as the DM and your players can't have fun in. So in summary, while it is ideal or preferred, I should say, to have the roles covered for, uh, let me just take that sentence from the top because that was terrible. So in summary, while it is preferred to have all of the potential roles handled amongst the party, it is not actually necessary to do so. As always, the most important thing is just for everyone at the table to be playing a character that they enjoy and working together to tell a story that all of you enjoy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tier stars low as a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind the scenes content, only access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where you'll be able to chat with the cast and even a shout out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast on Facebook as Riffwake. 
and on Reddit on subreddit r slash podcast. And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.